that you can't see Cause you can find it home just that you don't want to You cope by putting the blinders on I've been trying to find some kind of way But I've kind of known that y'all would rather whine and lash to nonsense Cause your mind is gone I can't save every person And politicking is bringing the worst out the very earth And every perk of living on this turf Is being chipped at and nerfed But I can't sit back and lurk I've got to hit back, I'm certain it's my purpose And it's a beautiful thing too What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 73 of The Underground. I am joined once again by Joseph. Wild West Pimp Style. Nations. And my name is David Lacey. And this is the show where we always remind you. Politics ruins everything. Joseph, how's it going? Man, it's great. You know, this nuclear fallout hasn't been so bad since tu- since Tuesday. You're going to feel uh, really bad <laughs> that actually I, happens. No, I'm, Poor choice I'm of distancing words. six feet in our shelter like the <laughs> government released today for the, in case of nuclear fallout. I don't know if you saw that. But We're still no, in the pandemic. Uh, yeah, I will feel terrible if that happens. Hey, um, but I'm it, just more so poking fun at the government <laughs> release a nuclear strike, you know, awareness, you yeah. know, informational graphic. And one of the things was distance six feet, six feet if you're in a shelter, nuclear shelter. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's my greatest concern. But hey, at least if that happens, there's a chance it might fix global warming. So that's true. <laughs> that's, there is an upside. According to there HuffPo. There is an upside. So what you're saying is that Putin is very concerned with global warming. Uh, yeah, he, that's he's why very he did much, all this. He's very much worried about his green energy weapons. And hey, dude, if uh, the green lady from Marvel taught us anything, it's okay to murder people if it's for climate change. The green. <laughs> yeah, it all ties in. The circle, oh, the X Men. You know? The X Men lady. <laughs> yeah, the X Men lady. <laughs> I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, some. Yeah, she had like reindeer horns or something. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Killed a dude in the grocery store. Yeah, whatnot, yeah over yeah. the plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if you enjoy this content like my jokes uh or if you don't Maybe enjoy my jokes, jokes part, but yeah. you enjoy the rest of the content <laughs> just go to our show notes and to the direct me link and you can donate to us there in the form of your time talent and treasure because we utilize a value for value system here and you'll see our paypal link you'll see the link to our social media sites you'll see our youtube link Go and follow us and like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Our YouTube channel has been blowing up with the videos we released last week covering the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, Lotter Trop, um, and the fans and and Lord of the Rings uh, theory about the Eagles. Uh, so give us a follow on there, comment, like, and we engage with everyone. You can either, you know if you don't want to comment on there, shoot us an email. We'll email you back. But yeah. Always remember that the greatest things you can do is to share our podcast and YouTube on social media and by word of mouth too, and then also download our episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's those, those are super helpful. Just helps with the algorithm. Um, you know, that's kind of the king of this whole game is getting uh, eyeballs on our content. Yep, and heck, we had sixty-two subscribers not this past friday but the friday before last and now we have what 186 or 190 we're 10 away from 200 and we had uh, let's see uh close to you know 15 20 000 views this past week on our videos yeah that's that's been pretty crazy we i i don't i don't know 
uh, we're pretty close to being able to monetize as far as uh, yep. a lot of that stuff is concerned. The subscriber count's going to actually be the tougher thing for us um, because we're getting ton. Like we are, we're over half of the watch hours that we need within a year, and we got most of that this past week. Yes, <laughs> which is amazing. Like is amazing. Like I don't uh, even for like I know our stuff had done pretty well, but seeing that really made me go like, oh dang, like that's a lot of watch time. Yep, like that's a, a lot, lot of, of growth for us because yeah. we were expecting we weren't expecting everything to a couple thousand know, views maybe on one or two of those. Yeah, not we weren't expecting everything <laughs> to kick off like this for no. us. Like you know, when we talked last year, we had a very re- realistic plan of growth for like years out. Still do you know for the most part because yep. you never you never know like uh, never but, bank on anything <clears throat> right. But we we have I, I think a pretty strong idea of how to keep the channel growing and we're working on networking with some people mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that next week um and so if you've been listening to us and you're on whether if it's just podcast or youtube we just want to say thank you thank you for liking our content thank you for engaging with us it's fun it's great for us we really want to build this into our full-time jobs eventually one day uh, right now we both still work full-time jobs uh well i guess we both still work full-time wow i mean hey listen i mean i'm i'm still working a lot it's just not exactly the same as it was last week (laughs) yeah uh so uh, i was just putting an awkward pause in there just to be funny uh just for for me to laugh but anyway uh we just want to thank you guys (laughs) we truly appreciate it keep up the good work you're doing a great job on to the topics. <laughs> Smooth. See, we've gotten so great at this now. You can barely tell when we're mo- transitioning into a new topic. Yes. <laughs> it's so it's so true. It's so subtle. Yes. Um, in uh, some bad news. So, someone who's not so subtle. No, this um this story was really interesting because we've been talking about uh since we really started doing some more of the entertainment stuff that uh, all of these popular franchises are really going down uh, the toilet uh, because Hollywood is losing its mind Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason keeps hiring these hacks to do their shows. And I, Joseph, one of the weeks that you were out, I talked a little bit about Santa Inc., uh, a show that came out over Christmas and yep. was very poorly received. It was one yep. of the shows that we, well, actually it got, it it got um, ratioed on YouTube with the dislikes. And this was right around the time that they got rid of the, the dislike button or at least officially mm-hmm. got rid of it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a massive campaign to, to get rid of those. Everybody hated this. I don't think I saw one person defending the show. No, um, dude, I think on IMD, IMDB, it was voted, uh, the worst show ever. Mm-hmm. And they they took uh, it. It got hit so hard that they took the review scores down from Rotten Tomatoes. It made Space Jam look good. The, the second <laughs> the, the one. Sequel. Oh man! So uh, after that incredible success, uh, Seth Rogen, who was the um, the showrunner essentially for it, I think he helped write yep. it. He did one of the voice acting. Um, I think he played Santa, if I remember correctly. Um, he after all of that. Failing upwards was given Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, R.I.P. Can I have Ninja his Turtles. agent? 
And hey, I, yeah, man, I would like his agent too. Uh, and you know, you just gotta say, "You're joking, not another one." <laughs> Down the drain. Let's flush one out for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, please, yep. Yep. please. Man. Emotional damage. <laughs> man, it's just sad. I don't. I don't know. You know, how did he pitch them that? It was going that this was a great idea. You know what I mean? Well, I, I For think, him to get this job. I, and I think, I think it really probably comes down to the messaging agenda. It's probably going to come down to that over the substance and storytelling, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think he's a yes man. Mm-hmm. I think he's the kind, he's just like Abrams and a lot of these other guys that are out there that they just want the work and they'll do whatever it takes to get it. Mm. Um, we'll see if that, that keeps up. Yeah, I don't uh, think that one's going to pay off. So hopefully, I, hopefully we're wrong, and you know, he, this is the best show ever, you know, or, or just a really good show. But I but, doubt it. But dude, and he hasn't been funny in years. Oh man, when when do you think his last funny movie was? Well, I remember liking Pineapple Express. Okay, I didn't care for Pineapple Express too. But much. that was also like 2010. Yeah. 2009. Oh, man. What did I like him? I can't even remember. Yeah. Um, man. So anyway, 2023 yeah. will usher in the new era of Turtle Mania with the theatrical release of a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Seth Rogen, followed by a series of villain-driven TMNT films for some reason. Uh, I think that's exclusively on Paramount's uh, website. Yeah. So Cowabunga. Yay. Just some more garbage. Who's going to be this pizza sponsor? You think pizza hut, Domino's Papa John's, or are they just going to use like a oh, generic good question? It won't be Papa John's. Yeah. Yeah. Cause of the N word. Yeah. Can't be Papa John's. They're out. Um, pizza, probably, hut or Domino's? Dom- probably Domino's yeah. or little Caesars. It might even be Ooh. little Caesars. If they decide to go like, yeah, the cheap, cheap. route. Yeah, yeah. They won't even have to pay little Caesars as much. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'll come up with my fake pizza brand. They can just pay me. <laughs> I'll call it Paramount Pizza. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. So this next one, uh, this article is on bounding in the comics. And I thought this was interesting. They did a report on the Christ-centered gamer uh, and uh, Amazon suspended their Amazon pay. So... The article says Christian video game and movie review website Christ Centered Gamer reports that Amazon has suspended their Amazon Pay functionality. Cheryl Gress, the editor in chief and founder of Christ Centered Gamer, detailed on the website's YouTube channel on February 7th, Amazon reached out to us telling us that our Amazon Pay website has been suspended. And this is where it really starts to get interesting. Uh, so that's what we've had up until I had to deactivate the Amazon because they just wouldn't accept that we were a 501c3 nonprofit. So I kind of conceded here after several several emails back and forth. Gress then details that Amazon claims Christ-centered gamer is not compli- in compliance with section 3.8 of their Amazon payment payments Inc. customer agreement. I'm not going to read the customer agreement section part. You can go to the article <laughs> yeah. and read it yourself. But Gress claims they are um, compliant, stating, as far as I know, 
We comply with the laws and everything. As far as acceptable use policy, they don't like, they don't like donations. Donations, donations, sorry. The <laughs> at, the hyphen got me on that one. Donations, <laughs> what an idiot. Oh, man, you should edit that out or keep it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, anyways, as far as the acceptable use policy goes, they don't like donations. <laughs> Charitable solicitations are prohibited without valid 501c3 tax-exempt status. Gress goes on to note that she communicated with Amazon multiple times and showed them that we are indeed according to the IRS, showing the IRS website that clearly shows they are a tax-exempt organization. Gress says, unfortunately, they still haven't updated our address, but I mean, we have. Our filings are current. A letter here, a p- approval letter is there, and we meet the requirements of tax-exempt status, and they're also active in their state. The Office of the Illinois Secretary of State's website shows they are not-for-profit and they've been incorporated since 2015 as a not-for-profit. So that's basically where the rest goes into. They have all the documentation showing it. And I just found, I found it pretty interesting that Amazon decided to go this route, you know, and I think it kind of shows, you know, granted, you know, you have two separate industries, right? The entertainment industry and Amazon, and then uh, this more, what would you call Corporate. it? Uh, it, well, they're both corporate, but the the shipper, yeah, man, I don't know how to. Yeah, well, one of them, right? one of them is their uh, their products, and the other one is their entertainment yeah. side of things. Because you have pro, you have like the Prime Video, and then you have essentially regular Amazon. Yeah, and this is just uh, Amazon Pay they use on uh, for their merchandise and yep. everything, and so I find it interesting that it points to. What we have said <laughs> yeah. with, you know, Tolkien, right, that they hate everything he stands for. This is kind of, you know, I'm taking a, I'm probably taking a reach with this, <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting them well, kind of suspending their Amazon Pay account. That's not exactly, everything. that's not exactly where I thought you were going to take it. Uh, you, you got like right up to where I thought you were going to take it because you're like, this is exactly how we always talk about. And then I was going to be like decentralization. Oh yeah. So, and that's the, <laughs> actually, that was my next point. I was just, Oh, uh, okay. Cause that's the kind of the biggest thing. Cause at the end of this article on bounding, they ask like, well, what, what should they do? And the answer is it's like, get away from these platforms that yep. are making it difficult for you to set up a way to get funding. This is why we try to utilize the value for value system is because even though we're growing on YouTube, we know that's probably going to. It may not always know, be there. That it, it may not always be there. It's the same reason why it's not always good to just have one source of income. Yep, exactly. It's why we have our PayPal donation because it's a lot easier for people to be able to just send you a cash donation and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's why we also accept Bitcoin because that is yep. something that isn't as easy for anyone to take away from us. I'm also looking into utilizing, by the way, uh, Subsplash for our donations as well. We can have PayPal and Subsplash if whoever wants to use either one. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's it's just important to decentralize. You know, we spend a lot on our other podcasts talking about decentralizing from the federal government. Yeah. And on here, we like to spend time talking about decentralizing from corporations mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, when you're at the whim of a corporation, it can end just like that. And all of so, them, and we've talked about before, all of them are so politically driven, and that includes yep. Amazon. The, one of the reasons Amazon is what it is today is because of the federal government. 
These, these yep. things, these things aren't mutually exclusive. Exactly. So it's the same thing with SpaceX, with Microsoft, with yep. a lot of the companies. The government chooses the winners. The banks. The banks. Yep. <laughs> oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. The banks. Yeah, the banks. Like just like yeah, all those other things, but the big one is it, the banks. Yeah, and they choose the winners, and so that's what this just goes and it shows you to make sure if you're an up and coming YouTuber or if you've already made it that you're decentralized you're not reliant on one leg of income through a corporation exactly you know because at the end of the day they're beholden to their advertisers I'm uh, and the banks <laughs> I'm pulling up this next story um, no, go ahead I have speaking of someone yeah, else for those of you that who's don't beholden to yeah, his superiors yeah for those of you that don't know I have a new setup so I have to I'm I'm doing I'm re- jumping through some extra hoops tonight trying to keep the show going oh um, yeah <laughs> uh yeah so I I thought I care I, you might have actually sent this to me uh, at some point during the week <laughs> I thought this is the funniest thing uh JJ so good dude <laughs> I don't know what oh man you talking about not thinking man yeah um J.J. Abrams, uh, Star Trek cast, reportedly caught unaware by announcement of fourth film. <laughs> You're like, it was so bad. Uh, we yeah. had no idea they were going to make another one. <laughs> Un- Even we thought it was strange. You're joking. Not another one? <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, it man. appears that the recent announcement that a fourth entry in J.J. Abrams' uh, Kelvin timeline Star Trek film... Uh, oh, series, Star Trek, yeah, uh, came as not only news to fans, but also to its principal cast, who were reportedly unaware that there were any plans for their return. Um, set to be helmed by WandaVision director Matt Shackman, uh, the fourth film in Abrams' cinematic take on Star Trek was announced by Paramount executive Brian Robbins and the producer himself during the studio February 15th investor event, though they provided no details on the project. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else there is to like say about that. Yeah. Uh, this Other is, than it's funny. That is, hila- that is legitimately hilarious. Oh, um, man. <laughs> that, that is uh, what equivalent to if you were at work and you're just going about your day, you got your normal stuff going on, and all of a sudden your boss is like, hey, where's this thing that you, th- this project? And you're like, what? What project? It's like, oh, yep. th- this thing that, that we're supposed to be doing. You're like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you never assigned that to me. Yeah. Or, um, man, what's the other one? Uh, it, I know there's been instances where people have been on, uh, they've like found out things uh, through the news yep. that they didn't know were happening, you know, uh, and it and it was like personal their their lives or whatever. Where it's like, uh, uh, you oh you could take one of the like the celebrity deaths where it's like celebrities are constantly being like, oh so and so died today or whatever, and that person like gets on Twitter and they're like, well apparently I'm dead. <laughs> it's news to me. I, I was not aware. <laughs> so yeah, I just I kind of oh, thought man. I thought that was funny, and um, I I saw it again because I was looking looking at stuff for the show, and uh, was like, oh yeah, I think Joseph sent that to me, and it just made me laugh. So I thought we yeah. would. Uh, I it, thought we would talk it, about it. When I first saw it, I died laughing myself. It was too good. Oh man. Uh, speaking of something else, that's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll let you lead into this next topic. Okay, so uh, a couple weeks ago, Horizon Forbidden West came out, and if 
you don't know what that is. It's essentially a game that's set in a like post-human world. It's kind of post-apocalyptic, but not in your traditional sense mm-hmm. uh, because the world isn't like scorched. You know, we're not talking like Book of Eli post-apocalypse. This is more um, like the world kind of like reset. Yeah, kind of like will. after the fall of Rome. Yeah, yeah, sure. You could say something like that, Um, because technically it's after the fall of America. So, yeah, you're you're actually kind of onto something. Babylon. Um, The uh, so so, uh, this is the sequel to a game that came out in 2017, if I remember correctly. It was either 16 or 17. It's been a while. Um, And the interesting thing about this game, Joseph, is that it's inspired by. some Native American tribes, tribes, but I would also tell you that it's it's kind of uh, inspired by just tribalistic behavior in general, at least from the design of clothing. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's like war paint and, and other things like that that your character that sounds, can put on. That sounds pretty cool, man, that they have you know some representation in the game, like highlighting other cultures, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you're this article that that uh oh it's actually from bounding as well i didn't even even realize which is completely utilizing bounding yeah, in, on this yeah. entire episode um, which is fine with me they're a great uh so bounding put out uh, an article that says uh video game journalists accuse uh horizon forbidden west of native american cultural appropriation um this so you can go and read the article if you want to. What I found really interesting about this is that this exact same thing uh, happened when the last game came out. Really? Yeah. So and we we talk about it occasionally um, that there's just cycles with news. Mm-hmm. And the people writing this stuff a lot of the time don't really care about the topic that they're covering. They're just doing it because they're trying to get clicks um, mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to like stir stuff up. Because they're they not know being sincere. They're at not all. being sincere. It's just for drama and virtue signaling yeah. and points. Yeah. I'm Vanity. Wondering, I'm wondering if okay, they didn't put any of the the stuff in there. Um anyway, yeah, you can go read the article. I don't I don't want to spend too much time like uh praising people for or like, you know, going going through that yeah. stuff because sometimes I feel like it adds to uh, the problem of people constantly mm-hmm. writing this stuff. Um I actually one of the reasons I like that we uh we talk about a lot of this is because I hope what it does is kind of keep people from giving them that kind of attention. Like if if I go and look at it or whatever, and then we post the stuff or it's it's on our podcast, mm-hmm. um, we don't they don't have to actually go. It's like they're getting the information without having to go directly to that source and you know giving them the click so they go, oh, this story did really yeah. well. We're going to do this again next time um, because this is the kind of stuff that people need to ignore on a regular basis. Yes. Um. So. Uh, yeah, that that happened last time, and it's just so disingenuous because, like you were saying, it's like, oh, it's this awesome kind of culture, and they're being very. Uh, it, it's not like people are going around make you know doing some sort of stereotypical Indian voice or whatever. Yeah, like, you know, Native American voice from you know the time period when that would have been a thing, or they have these big headdresses on, and they're you know, it's it it fits in with the concept of the game. Um. You know, and we're talking about a game that's like that, but then there's also these giant, uh, like robots roaming around that you're shooting with a bow and arrow, right? It's just right. kind of they're weird trying mix. to. It, it, they're not degrading Native Americans. No, they're respecting their culture. Yeah, they're they're 
they see something in that and they're using that to help influence their game. It's not about appropriating it for for something. It's I mean, you yep. and I you and I both know how dumb that stuff is anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you these video game activists are secretly racists. <laughs> well, and it's so funny, right? Because they're they constantly talk about this cultural appropriation and then they remove all of the the different like diverse ethnic people off of the products. Yep. Um but then, uh, you know, the white people are still on the boxes and you're like, uh, it's like we were talking about in the, that one episode of our, our podcast about the horseshoe theory where it's yeah. like you, you start on one like opposite ends, but then you end up meeting in the middle with all of your decision making. And it ultimately mm-hmm. leads to something that both parties think is good. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was weird and it, and it sucks. Cause I think, the, I think the game is pretty good. I think the main character is, um, she's a wet blanket, dude. Uh, she is. She is not, and it, there is so much talking in this game. I've gotten to the point where I just skip through all the dialogue because I'm like, I I can't spend 15 <laughs> minutes listening to people talk for every mission in the game. It's already a massive game. Um, but yeah, the the combat's great. Uh, game is gorgeous. It's probably the one of the best looking console games I've seen in oh, a while. Um, nice. And uh, I'm trying to remember if there was there was another point I wanted to make about it. No, I think that that that's it. Like it, if I, I her character just in general, the, and they do that dumb thing that they do in um, a lot of these shows where like she's the hero or whatever, right? And mm-hmm. so everyone in the game has to constantly. Oh, it's like the Yennefer thing. Everyone in the game constantly has to remind you that she was the person who like saved all of their lives. Even people who live in the far west region of uh, this area know who she is and know what she did. And that's the first thing anyone says to her whenever they they talk to her. And I'm telling you, man, it is egregious how often it happens (laughs) where they're like, oh, you're the savior of this place or whatever. And you're just like, y'all too? Really? And like she's so rude to everybody at the same time. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, I, I I I wish that it didn't suffer from um, some of the those issues. Like, I think mm-hmm. the writing actually holds the game back quite a bit from being uh, what a lot of people were calling a masterpiece. Um, and I'm really that's that's one of those phrases I'm really tired of people using all the time is that they use a uh, triumph when they're talking about movies. They're like, this movie was a triumph. And a lot of the time, that's not the case. And then yeah. they're like, this is a masterpiece when they're talking about games. And it's like, no, it's good. Let's let's be a little bit uh, more nuanced in our discussion about whether this is actually that good or not. Completely um, agree. Because I just, before we started this episode, I checked the reviews on Twitter on uh, the Batman. And they're uh-oh. saying, you know, 10 out of 10. Great. Amazing. You know. All yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, and that's what a lot of people do is that they go and they see the reviews and they go, "Oh man, this must be that good, right? If all of these people gave it that kind of score, it must be that good." I'm uh, trying to stay away from it, man. I just happen yeah, I to peruse wanna... and see a little bit of and say 10 out of 10. I didn't read anything else. I just saw 10 out of 10 and stuff like that. Yeah. And I just want to be completely fresh. Agreed. And uh, that was actually the the same for this next topic. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Elden Ring. And, of course, okay. there's some news surrounding it. But um, I, I, I need to tell you I, – because I, I don't know how much you know about, like – the quote-unquote drama that always surrounds uh, Squaresoft every time they release a game. Um, 
it's not the same thing that surrounds uh, something like Horizon where they're like they scream cultural appropriation every time you put the game mm-hmm. out. Um, this is that journalists, uh, quote unquote journalists, right? Um, the people who cover video games constantly complain every time these games come out that they are too hard and the reviewers can't get their reviews done in time. And we're, we are actually do have a, a little bit to talk about with that. Um, but every single time, and, the, and this brings in their agenda, trying to make everything, quote unquote, accessible to everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating. And the, uh, the conversation, again, is usually pretty dishonest because uh, you and I are both, um, I won't say fans, but we both really like Ricky Berwick, um, who is disabled. Yes. Um, and he's a gamer. And he's like super funny and like is is very self-deprecating and it's just kind of part of what what he does right so when we talk about this and we talk about accessibility in gamings what i want everyone to understand is that i'm talking about people like him being able to experience these things right not that you're necessarily reducing its ability to be difficult but that you're giving people the opportunity to be able to play these games the way that they were designed to be played Right. What journalists are talking about is that they want easy mode in everything, yep. not not because it's necessary, but because they aren't good enough to complete the games in time to be able to put reviews out. Yep. So exactly that, that is one of the things that's going on with Elden Ring. Um, I am super impressed with this game, uh, especially the scale. It's not. Uh, I have like, uh, maybe like minor gripes with it, just with like some bug. It's buggy occasionally. I heard um, that yesterday or and the day before. It's more on PC. I have it on PS5, so mm-hmm. I haven't had nearly as many problems. Um, in fact, I've barely had any, if I'm being totally honest. There's a couple things here and there with like stuttering with the frame rate. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually I had that happen in Horizon too, and it was way more egregious in Horizon. This it glitched out on me and was down at like one frame a second. Um, Dang, I had a uh, um, I heard that people with 3090s were on PC were uh, having a lot of bugs and issues and it was dropping frames really low well and that's one of the reasons why i never purchase new games on um pc i should say 3080s and 3090s yeah and and that's the thing is that it's never about um it's never about the card uh it's always how the game's been optimized for um that's exactly what they were saying and so you Anyway, so yeah, th- you've been having some of these issues, but I wanted to play a little bit of this. Uh, cl- Oops. I thought you were gonna have Ricky Burwitz clip. I was like, yes. No, no, no. I don't think he, I haven't. I haven't seen much from him lately. I don't even know if he's playing this. Um, but yeah, so you have people who are upset at this game because they, you can't uh, fully pause in it, and a lot of people are criticizing these people who are criticizing this because that feature has been in games for a very long time now. If it's an online game, you can't pause. Like, it, it it will actually break the game in order to be able to put something like that in there. And people are like, how to get around not being able to pause an Elden Ring? It's like, dude, it's real simple. Move away to an area, like, teleport to an area where there aren't enemies and sit yep. there and go do what you need to do and come back. It's not that difficult, right? Yep. Um, surprisingly, though, a lot of the issues going on with how difficult the game is, because let me tell you, man, this is a hard game. Oh, I've, I've seen. And it it's um it gets a it it's been getting harder as I've been getting further into it, and I'm not I'm not even maybe a third of the way through the game. 
Um, it's a huge map. Oh, it's massive. They were saying that so, it took some of these people who were reviewing it like 80 hours to finish the game. So it's big, and I'm only about 15 hours in. Yeah, <laughs> and I've done a lot. Like, it's not even one of those things where I feel like, oh, man, I've just started after 15 hours. It's like, no, dude, I've done so much already. Um, yep. Anyway, so this is uh, from Inside Gaming, and this is just a little report that they had about uh, what's been going on with uh, Elden Ring. Apparently, the game was not released to reviewers until pretty late in the game, and as a result, most of them didn't finish it. How much of a difference did that make? Well, that kind of depends on where your perspective is on this thing. GameSpot managing editor Tamor Hussein talked about this in a tweet this week, asking gamers not to give reviewers a hard time for not finishing the game. He added, it's immense. It should have been sent a month ago. I played and wrote until I physically couldn't stay upright every day and I couldn't make it. He added, this wasn't the way I wanted to experience a game that I've been looking forward to for years. Gene Park of the Washington Post chimed in with some support support as well saying with long COVID I knew I wasn't going to finish Elden Ring in time. The game <laughs> came to us very late and it was going to be impossible for most of us even the hardcore Souls YouTubers to finish this game. This game is that big but we also had little time. He drew a comparison to Horizon Forbidden West which reviewers had apparently three weeks to play before reviewing with Elden Ring. They apparently just had one week. Park himself put 40 hours into the game and said, no one is prepared for how colossal Elden Ring actually is. But that didn't sit well with some gamers who didn't feel like they should write a review of a game without beating it first. One gamer, Daryloth, wrote, why are they still called reviews and not impressions or reviews in progress? Never saw someone watch half a movie and write a review. Another gamer, Eros, said on Twitter, if you didn't finish the game, you shouldn't review it. Easy as that. So yeah, it's the age-old problem of reviewers trying to get their piece out right when the embargo releases. So it's right in that window when everybody's paying attention to the game versus maybe waiting a little bit longer, like a week later and then having a more comprehensive thing, but maybe it's too late and nobody's paying attention and nobody reads your reviews. All right, so I'll, I'll leave it there because there, there's a little more to it and people are saying, like, yeah. we need to leave these people b behind who are just so obsessed with review. You know, it, it's a bunch of, like, industry garbage and these are the, the same yeah. people who have been um, complaining for years uh, about this stuff that it's like, it's your job, dude. Now, yeah, grew up. I, like, I you don't have it that hard. No, with doing not your job. A, that not guy talking all. about, I had long COVID and doing this. Oh, yeah. Wah. Yeah. Like, come on. And don't get me wrong. Like, you're I, playing a stinking video game. I'm not saying that doesn't get difficult after a while of having to do that, but you could take a break. You can put it down. It's okay. You had a week to play a video game and review it. Just do a review in progress and, and make it a positive. If you enjoy yes. the game, make it a positive spin. Being like, hey, this is so great so far. All this stuff, I haven't completed it yet just because it's so massive and everything. You know what I mean? Yes, and that's that's the it's thing. It's all is, about perspective. So uh, another game that came out uh, a couple days before this was Destiny. Yeah. And every, every one of these um, uh, mainstream outlets... Mm -hmm. does review and progresses for Destiny because the raid usually doesn't come out until a week after the game's released. And so all there of these yeah, all of these people complaining about it and and what it is, again, just like the easy mode thing, they want preferential treatment. Yep. They're upset it's because them. it's vanity. Oh yeah, they they're upset because they didn't get the bragging rights of saying that they got to play this game and beat this game 3 weeks ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um I understand that it's difficult. 
I understand that trying to beat something in a week that's 80 hours, that's hard. That's a lot of time. And now that's, I've heard somewhere between 65 to 80, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. That's the job. You're getting paid to do that job. And you got to remember, you're getting paid to play video games. Exactly. You are getting paid. There are so many people who would kill to have that position to be making like 60k a year roughly right um, playing, video games. playing video games and writing about them yeah and you got to take one week out of your life to do something that's a little more difficult than it is most of the time exactly and i and i was thinking about it too because uh you know you think about like what doctors do right like doctors work somewhere between 12 uh six or seven days or they do 16 five days. I work 70 hours. I worked anywhere between 60 and 80, but typically 70 to 80 hours the past seven years of my life. Yeah. A week. Yeah. And, you know, you got paid well for it. Mm-hmm. And they're getting paid well. Some weeks. To what they're doing. Some weeks I worked 110 hours in the entire week. Yeah. It's like that. It, they could have done it. And yes, that means that you've got to to sit and you've got to grind it out. And mm-hmm. you, but it also, you know what else it means? You have to be disciplined. Yep. You have to be able and and you, I you can't go out and do the things that you are used to doing. Uh-huh. You have to say no to people. Uh huh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, you got to work. Yeah, and it, it just it sounds just this is the problem with uh, especially that industry is that they just they want to complain so much about this stuff, dude. So well, they're activists, man. They're yeah, not journalists. And speaking of which, we gotta we gotta talk about this uh, this last thing because, of course, um, the race baiters had to come out as soon as all of this was done. And uh, I, this is from The Verge. It's in the in the show notes if you guys are kind of curious in uh, in reading this. Uh, but the this article is essentially upset because of the character creator in. Um, uh, Elden Ring, and the title of this article says, Elden Ring's character creator fails black players. Um, and it says, I didn't expect much from Elden Ring's character creator. Uh, the games have a bit of a reputation for being kind of bad at character creation. So you've already set the the stage of, hey, like their character creators aren't really that great all the time, right? Right. <clears throat> but it's not going to stop me from complaining, uh, especially <laughs> resar- uh, regarding skin. In Bloodborne, skin colors and textures were uh, distinctly unnatural looking. My character was orangey looking mess of a human, and there was precisely... Oh, uh, I was I was like, oh, zero kinky in her hair, meaning that it, uh, they didn't have... Uh, she's, she's black. Yeah. Um, Ellen Ring uh, is a decided step up. Skin color and face shadings look natural. Tinkered with it for a good hour, setting my sliders, blah, blah, blah. This is normal for a lot of people. They'll spend forever on their creator uh, character creator in order to um, cover it with a helmet uh, 10 minutes yeah. after they finish mm. doing that. Not me. Oh, dude, I, I, did, I didn't either. I just, I, I, have, I actually, so in game, you can, um, there's a mirror in the sort of like hub location mm-hmm. and you can change your appearance and save different presets afterwards so I, when i started i didn't even know that because i was like it doesn't matter i'm gonna be wearing a helmet the whole time so i just like i was i picked the thing and moved on it took me longer to pick the class that i wanted to play than it did to do the character creator so I was like, right. I'm, not, I'm not wasting my time um i didn't in bloodborne either um <clears throat> so it says uh for the first time in uh a from software game i can make a character who looks like a real human instead of a near approximation of one 
Um, there will likely be. Isn't a, this just a near approximation? Uh, yeah. Uh, there will likely be the temptation to think this omission doesn't matter for any number of reasons, but the Elden Ring subreddit already has multiple threads of players showing off their creations. Um, I'm a character creator aficionado. It's an enduring obsession born from the days of dress-up flash games in the early aughts. Um, Character creators are also a place in which I am uniquely made aware of my race. Make no mistake, America delights in reminding me daily that I am a black woman and that it, uh, through the systems that spawned and continue to define it, utterly hates me and other marginalized people. So this, this chick, this woman goes from, hey, this character creator is kind of fine. It's better, right? This is kind of an article about that. To calling out America for hating her. I'm so, I'm so glad that she said this. Let me tell you why. Because there's just a game I love to hate on. It's called Madden. And back when I used to play it, they also have terrible uh, character creation yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about they're you, even worse than them. NBA 2K21 for a white person, <laughs> dude. For a white person, their character creation sucks. Not EA's better than 2K, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Like the hairstyles and everything are, you know, are just for for white people are just atrocious on there. Not many options in my opinion. At least the last time I played it, which was NBA 2K20 or whatnot, uh, or 19. But uh. So, but yeah, so I just, I just, I don't go though to the extent that oh, the creators of 2K just hate white people, right? I'm just like, oh, they just might not care as as much for uh, the the character creation side. They're like, let's just do these generic things, right? Yeah, and the thing is, is like, I can understand being like, hey, it. If if her whole complaint was like, hey, it would be really nice because I want to make a character that looks like me. Mm-hmm. Because people want to do that in games. That yeah. you, you put some, um, as she says, kinky hair in um, in the game. I did an NBA 2K. Yeah. Uh, Elden Ring's hair emission is glaring within its own system. How is it that I, through the prolific number of sliders and color wheels, can create the proudest looking nose... With Jackson Five nostril, sorry, I'm skipping some of this because I cannot put that on YouTube. I don't think if I if I say no, that. Don't say, um, don't do that. Oh wow, I just read that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't read that. Uh, I'm trying to look for this. There, she had one other it, 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 statement in here that was ridiculous. Oh, here it is. Okay. Uh, at the very end of the article, she says, "Not having a diverse number of hairstyles ultimately doesn't diminish my experience with Elden Ring." Yes, because it's game. It's about gameplay more than anything else. You think uh, there were black people that worked on this game, or people of color? Uh, pro. I I mean, I am pretty sure that uh, Squaresoft's in Japan. So, okay, so yes, maybe that's kind of depending on who you ask. Yeah, maybe that's why if it's an all Japanese, maybe they, you know, maybe it's everyone's hair. Yeah, they. Well, yeah, J- the, Japan has had kind of an interesting relation ship with creatively making other um ethnic groups mm-hmm. um anyway so let's see so not having a diverse number of hairstyles ultimately doesn't diminish my experience with elden ring mm-hmm. the game is uh is pretty great and that's coming from someone who isn't that much of a from software fan so again not only is she just using this as an excuse to like talk about her insecurities but she's not even really a fan of these games yeah 
Um, That's a good point. Talked about her insecurities. Yeah. Um, so she says, I just don't understand how a game, after numerous uh, numerous calls for greater diversity and developers acknowledging its black community members through Black Lives Matter uh, posts and well wishes during Black History Month, can still fall fail to account for black players it's certainly a choice in the year 2022 one that unfortunately reinforces a culture of exclusion already endemic to video games and Um, that's what we do when we take a cheese sandwich uh a grilled cheese sandwich we call that a stretch oh such a stretch um also she is completely potentially ignoring the culture of the people who created this game yep and at the very least, if you were going to do this, again, this is the problem with opinion pieces, and it's not so you you opinion pieces doesn't mean you just give your opinion. You still have to cite sources to make your points. Yep. If you if you're going to say this thing is a problem in the industry, you need to actually cite examples of it instead of just saying it as if it's true, right? And this is a, the fault of editors. This is the fault of um, the writer, um, of the company. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you cannot let people get away with this stuff. Nope. Not that it matters for a, a lot of these um, so-called journalists in uh, in kind of the video game space. Um, a lot of them, again, it's it goes back to this thing that if you go to check, I guarantee if you went to check her Twitter profile, uh, one of the first things in it would probably say activist. Yeah. Or super guarantee fan. guarantee you. Yeah, or super fan. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, listen, Elden Ring is great. Um, if, if your main complaint is that you want a character creator where you can create yourself and the type of hair that you have isn't in that, a totally understandable complaint. Especially from a, a critical standpoint, if that's something... Now, it's a small thing, and she even admits it's a small thing in the grand scheme of what Elden Ring is. But she we're makes still it, gonna complain. Yeah, and, instead and of making a more reasonable approach, talking about how they could do a better job at uh, content creation, how you know, basically addressing the same things just in a different way. We just got finished talking about perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's a perspective. But if you've grown up in this culture, right, that uh, that teaches you that you are continuously a victim, right? Yeah, yeah. People, uh, and especially black people in the past, right, have been victims, right? And and people today, right, there are people of all races and ethnicities here who are victimized in one way or form, right? People do terrible things because people are evil. And, but when you have this reinforced in society and it's all you see in the narrative from the media, right, that you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim, then that's the lens you're going to view everything through, right? We just talked about trauma, right? And trigger warnings and how trigger uh, last week, right? On, uh, I think it was the social episode and how trigger warnings, uh, you know, one of the problems is from some studies that were done is that, you know, the bad thing with the, about it is that it makes your trauma central to your identity. Mm-hmm. That's what this reminds me of. Yeah. Right. Trauma based entertainment is what we talk about a lot. It takes your trauma and makes it central to your identity where you're consumed by it and you filter everything through that lens. Yep. I've had trauma happen in my life, horrific things that no one knows about that I haven't talked about in the podcast, but I don't filter everything through that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when you're looking for it everywhere, you're going to find it everywhere. Exactly. Even down to like the right hairstyle not being an Elden Ring. It's just it's it's exhausting. And I I, I find it to a degree to be dishonest. 
yeah, that's not right. Like, like you're going to say that's racism. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things is that, you know, I think, you know, racism isn't dead. It's still alive. Right. But at the same time, for you to say a hairstyle and like, I don't have these certain hairstyles in a game that that's due to racism. Maybe it's, maybe it's just cultural barrier barriers between Japan and the United States. That's exactly what it is. Cause she, the thing that she, <laughs> she brings up is that, Oh, all of these people were posting all this stuff about black lives matter on, um, on, uh, Instagram and social media and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but you're talking about Japan. J- yep. Japan may not be aware of a lot of that or care. Exactly. Cause it's, an, it's a conservative culture, it, conservative Japanese culture, right? Which is different from us. Yeah. It's also very ethnocentric. Like they're, yep. they're very much like they, they don't generally, well, I don't want to say this across the board, but, uh, the, the general consensus is that they, they aren't big on outsiders. That they are there. They like their culture the way that, that it is, and they don't want people coming in and, and screwing with it. It's why Except every time, yeah, it's why every time anime comes in or people complain about anime being a specific way, they're like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. It's like, this is part of our culture, and this is how it is. Hey, yeah, I understand. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get it into this last topic. Um, yeah. So, uh, we're going to be talking about The King's Man. Um, this is a movie that came out right at the end of last year. So I think it was in uh, December of 2021 mm-hmm. and didn't exactly, uh, I do great. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with Spider-Man coming out. Yeah. Flew under the radar, right? <laughs> a Along little bit of the, the last duel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's another one that, it came uh, around out around the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a uh, it's a prequel to the Kingsman and the Kingsman uh, Golden Circle, and um, it's set during uh, World War One. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I uh, I wanted to go see it in theaters, but I got sick the week that it came out, and then just never was able to actually get back to uh, go I see it. I was kind of impressed with. Uh... How it wasn't. I was. It wasn't as vulgar as I was expecting it to be. Uh, me either. Actually, I was. Uh, it's something I was uh, surprised by. So I was pleasantly uh, surprised by it. Yeah. So general. Uh, the movie is uh, centered around. Actually, I'm gonna pause it right here for a second. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna pull up IMDb, and the podcast is gonna hear this. But when it goes on YouTube, I'm gonna cut this part out. <laughs> Uh, because that's okay. I can't remember almost anyone's name from this movie except oh, for Jim Arterton. Um, I can't remember anyone's name either. And, like their, you know, their character's name. Yeah. Uh, well, and um, oh shoot, the uh, the black guy that was in Blood Diamond years ago. Yep. I know. That's exactly the first guy I talked about. So I think uh, we'll get into it more, but he did a phenomenal job in the scenes that they used them. <laughs> I hit type my computer's like running behind a little bit and I typed in the Kinsman. <laughs> um okay. Uh sorry y'all I'm doing this on the fly and it's being It's all good, baby. slightly annoying here. Uh good. It's it gives I can give it two thumbs up. You definitely got to <laughs> check it out. It's on HBO Max if you want to see it. All right. So, man, they IMDb changed their page too. Did you pull it up? Uh, yeah, D- uh, Digimon Hansu. 
Uh, I'm trying not to say Digimon, uh, you know, like Digimon uh, Digital Monsters, because that's not how you say his name, and I would be annoyed if people called me that. But it is D-I-J, or D-J-I-M-O-N, so it's like Digimon Hansu. Um, he is the uh, one of the, the main characters of the movie. He plays Shola. Uh, anyway, I, I wanted to start by just giving like an overview of the movie. So it's essentially uh, a, a Ralph Phineas plays uh, Orlando Oxford, who is a, um, a gentleman, if you will, in England in 19... So the movie starts in 19... Is it 01 or 02? Am I right about that? I can't quite... 1902 um, in it, South Africa. Yeah, it's when the... he works for the American Red... I mean, the American Red... He works for the Red Cross. So, and we're going to stay out of spoilers for now, um, but an incident happens to him that essentially affects uh, his entire family and the way that he goes about things. So, he's mm-hmm. he's generally considered a, uh, a pacifist, and they kind of re- remind you that a lot throughout the movie, yep. which... I, is a bit of a problem for me because it's like, Hey guys, we get it. Like you can say it once and show how he actively doesn't want to harm people Mm -hmm. and people will understand that he's, he's a pacifist, but um, he is that he's quite wealthy. He has um, a servant who is played by Digimon Hansu, who uh, his name is Shola. Uh, And then, um, Oh shoot. Where is she? Jim uh, Arterton yep. uh, plays Polly, who is one of the maids at uh, his palace. Yes. And then his uh, his son is played. His name is Conrad. And is played by Har- Harris Dickinson. Thank you. Yes. I couldn't find his name. <laughs> yeah, you're good. I got you. Anyway. Um so the the whole movie essentially surrounds the creation of Kingsman, and yeah, I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, biggest issues I had with it is that I think the pacing uh, is a little rough. You do? Um, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little all over the place. Um, and I'll I'll be fair that some of that might have been my expectations for what I thought they were going to do with it, um, mm. because because the especially the first movie um, is super tight paced. Like that, that movie is, um, knows exactly what it's doing. It knows exactly where it wants to go. It has, uh, all of the, uh, important beats and payoffs that you want from any kind of movie, especially one that's sort of a, a spy action thriller kind of style movie. And, you know, they're super, super stylistic. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing about this one is that, I'm fine that it was a little bit of a slow pace getting started, and I liked the yeah. way I liked the setup. The opening scene I thought was was good, um, but it takes almost half the movie for them to get to this place where they have legitimately become uh, that. Like the Kingsman organization is is there, and there's like it's formed. Yeah, yeah there's like. And, I agree it, with and, that. It, and it technically doesn't even really happen till the very end of the movie, which isn't really a spoiler. It's just that's the the whole idea is that they're creating it. Um, and I, I thought we were going to get a little bit of a tighter. Um, hey, here's how the whole thing was going to be made. Here's um, the uh, sacrifice that people make and all that. Mm-hmm. And they it feels like they were trying to do too much um, bringing in the actual part of World War One into the movie in almost like its own separate subplot. Hmm. I thought it did a good job in highlighting 
the you know keep into the history of how World War One started, right? At least you know the major uh-huh. points I, of I it. I thought that part. I thought and that then was really good. incorporating it. I for me, I don't necessarily agree with you on the pacing, except for a tiny bit. With I do agree with the part of it took them a while to get to the organization forming, right? Yeah, and but. Well, I thought they didn't okay. utilize Digimon Hansu, his character Shola, uh, enough. Agreed. I yeah, uh, I think he is a very strong actor. He's got yep. great. He and um, the main guy, uh, Ralph Phineas. Ralph Phineas. I think, I think the two of them have a great dynamic together. Um, and I almost agree. And and this is maybe part of why I thought it could have been tighter if the movie had really just centered around the two of them. And that yeah. they were the, essentially the creation of it. You bring in Polly, and then his son plays more of a secondary role. Um, and again, I don't want to get into to too, I don't want to get into spoilers yet with everything because it does kind of play into to some of my uh, problems with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that a lot of that is why I think the pa- the pacing feels um, off. Is that that it just it's just like oh oh the biggest the biggest thing right is that one of the first things they do is they go to um, Rasputin, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little bit of a slow ramp, and then they go into the to the like 20, 25 minutes or whatever that they're in Russia with Rasputin, and mm-hmm. it's one of the best parts of the movie. And then it ramps way back down for a long time in the movie. Yeah, and, it does, and that's what it I'm almost kind of like decides. Did you feel like in the major point when we talk about sacrifice, right? the major sacrifice that's or not sacrifice but the major situation that occurs in the movie yeah like halfway through or a yeah. little bit longer yeah that it, it kind of like you thought it was going to be one movie but then once it hits that point it becomes an entirely different movie um to a degree and it's weird because it feels like they have these two major set pieces that are very uh kingsman with right russia and then the final act um, mm-hmm. And they're they're the best part, in my opinion. Generally, they're the best parts of the movie, um, and it's where the movie shines the brightest because you get the kind of over the top fights. Um, though they're a little more grounded in this, not all the way, but they are a little more grounded in this. Um, and it's where a lot of the characters get to shine uh, as far as the action is concerned. Yeah. Um, and it bring and I love the the scene with Rasputin because it it still keeps a bit of the the awkward humor that's uh like present in in these movies like the whole thing with with uh Rasputin in Oxford when he's like uh he's helping him like heal his uh his leg. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so funny. Um, <laughs> that was too good. Yeah, yeah. Like Rasputin is like gross and he's dangerous and that's one of the things I thought was so good about that part too is that Rasputin is probably one of the characters that i like villains i've seen in a while that's actually dangerous like i was yeah. like oh this this guy might actually kill one of them yep uh and i thought i thought that was something that they handled very very well like he was set up in a way that you're like oh this guy's not messing around um and there's something almost like supernaturally uh powerful about the guy and that was kind of cool you know without actually going into him like doing magic <laughs> Yep, he's intelligent. He, he he's smart. He does. He's not presented, even though there's a hubris about him. Yeah, he's not present presented unintelligent that he doesn't know what's going on. Right, you know he he it, it kind of there was a little bit of payoff in the previous scene when they're talking about the cake and the certain. Uh, I'm trying not to give any spoilers, yeah. but the you know the a certain smell right, and then he ends up. Uh, 
catching on. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, th- I think them presenting him as a, a competent villain in there was was great. You don't really see many competent villains, right? They're uh-huh. typically undermined in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're you're right too, and that the story in the movie is uh pretty good. I like that the backdrop of World War One. Um, I like that they included uh the assassination of uh, Franz Ferdinand and his wife. Yep. Um, I like spoiler alert. Well, it happened in history. It's like <laughs> I know. I mean, like, I'm just kidding. Like with if you. you, yeah, if you know anything about history, you know what happens to Rasputin too. Yep. So it's it's one of those things that it's like, uh, and I think it was an admirable. Uh, admirable like job at creating something like that around an already established franchise mm-hmm. um and historical points too yes and and tying them all in because most of their audience probably doesn't know anything about world war one right i think what i liked best about this film is that for me yeah it's an action movie or a comedy action movie but it's also a good father son story it's a good father I agree. story i think it's you know? he's again he's one of the strongest points in the movie yeah, uh that absolutely. relationship and that aspect is the strongest point in the movie for mm-hmm. me um so let's let's go ahead and get into some of the spoilers because i can't really talk about one of my major issues that surrounds um a very specific scene in the movie that if you've okay. seen it you know what i'm talking about uh so spoilers from here on out if uh you don't want to hear what happens. Stop this. Go watch the movie. It's on HBO Max. We, I think we both recommend it. Mm-hmm. We um, do. It's a great movie. Yeah, I do. It's one Even, of the better movies of 2021. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, so about halfway through, so this is it. Spoilers. So about halfway through the movie, um, Oxford's son is shot in the head and killed in a very... Uh, What's what would be the term? Um, Forced way? No, I was gonna say like, it's sudden. It's very Yo, it's, sudden. It's, it's very sudden, right? Like it's something there, and I know that they kind of did this on purpose. So they're set I, the way that they did the trailers and the way that this looked. I think they were trying to get people to believe that um, his son was going to be uh, the main character the same way that uh, the kid was in the first one, uh, mm-hmm. in the original one, and. Uh, halfway through the movie they kill him off and then right. that's where you get the story essentially of how uh oxford goes from being this pacifist right to starting the kingsmen essentially getting um a- and saving the world and understanding what needed to be done because um, he made a promise earlier in the movie in the beginning to his yes. wife that uh, he would stop war at all costs possible to prevent their son from having to be involved in it yeah and he fails at his mission um Mm -hmm. and but he also kind of it works in the in the way that um he knew he couldn't control his son at that point yeah he wasn't going to be able to stop him and he was going to resent him if he didn't let him go well probably even give gave him the advice that uh whatever we fear most ends up happening yeah and you Uh, see that foreshadowing and that payoff comes because you know you think okay he he he. So basically, what happens for those who don't know World War One, that there was a lot of uh, what's called? Death Man's Alley, right? Is that what it's called? To where you know one side would lead the charge, get mowed down, uh-huh. and then another side would lead the trenches and it's get like mowed down in no man's land. No man's land. That's yeah. it. And so uh, 
you know, his son, you know, early on there was a, a German running and th- what you think is a German. And then uh, the British start shooting until they say, no, that's one of our guys. And then eventually you learn that. And so then he steps forward when he's asked, hey, when one of the commanders says, we need to go uh, retrieve a document he has because it's of high value. And so he goes out and ends up being the only one that survives out of like six or seven men. And he uh, happens to find the guy still alive. That guy, the guy that was coming back, the German got blown up. Who's actually a uh, Britain British gets blown up by a mine, I think, or artillery. Yeah. And, uh, the Conrad runs into him carries him back they made it make it through gunfire and everything only to get killed by friendly fire because someone thinks that he is a spy because he doesn't have um, his actual name he's using one of uh one of the other soldiers names so that he could join battle because his father had the king send him to london or yeah, he was trying to send him, to him home after basic yep. training um all right so i have no issue with sort of like the payoff in that scene. Mm-hmm. I have every issue. I actually think it's the weakest part of the movie. I have every issue with the way that that setup and payoff actually plays out. Yeah. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense. This guy, he wasn't, and, and this is why, right? So he goes, right? He's using this fake name. He mm-hmm. uses this fake name the entire time he's in the trenches, right? People have right. seen his face there the whole time, right? Right. Right. The fake name of an actual guy that's back home with his dad. Yes. He's in the trenches with that guy who shoots him, who thinks that yep. he's uh, this traitor, right? Well, and the other – I thought it didn't make sense either because you would think the guy wouldn't have – because – so Conrad doesn't – he's not holding a weapon. Right. He's not holding a gun. Right. Nothing. And the guy just yells uh, – you're a German spy or whatnot, yeah. and then shoots him. Yeah. It just seems very illogical. That would be how it unfolds. Yes, you know? that is my absolute. I, I I remember watching that and going like, oh, it's like y'all could have handled that better. Mm-hmm. I was like, because it is shocking, and I I appreciate that. I appreciate the um, the just in the manner in which it's like, okay, that character is gone. It's over. It's like yeah. we're moving forward from that. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I think it was com- a complete stretch, right? Like you have to do some major hurdles to get to the place where you're like that guy doing that makes complete sense because he volunteered for the role. Mm-hmm. His com- this is only a couple of hours, right? Like they go out at night. Um and so his commanding officer, the one who asked him to volunteer is still there. There's no there's no way, right, that this would have happened. And I'll add this in because and this is more of like uh my sort of like argument for why it wouldn't have worked that way. Conrad in that situation would have been able to get out of it uh through physical force against that guy. Yep. And on top of that, he brought he br- brought back a British spy yeah like why would he i mean why would he uh, yeah, waste the time spy. yeah why would he waste the time carrying this guy on his back if the whole point was that he was a german spy why would he risk getting mowed down by the enemy and blown up in order to try to bring the guy back yeah you know what i mean there's it just there's, make any no sense. it doesn't make it's it's not a, it's not a strong enough um it, it wasn't built up strong enough and done in a way uh that made a lot of sense right, right. now if if you had done something where it was even more sudden where he's trying to bring the guy back, right? 
and accidentally gets killed by someone on his side in the middle of them like firing like out of confusion makes a lot more sense and yeah. and this is something a lot of writers have problems with is that they try to overcomplicate a payoff like that mm. instead of doing something that's like what's the most logical way in a movie like this for an incident to happen where we're going to take out one of our main characters halfway through to throw the audience off yeah uh and it sucks in a sense because that is the weakest part of the movie and it's surrounded by a very good moment and i i hate i hate that i'm so conflicted about it because i appreciate what they were trying to do i just don't like the way they did it <laughs> yeah I, you know what i didn't like another the i don't like i don't like how they did that as well i agree with you i also don't like how uh, at first you earlier in the movie where the rasputin i can't say his name it's okay uh, <laughs> say it for me rasputin ras Putin. Putin. Uh, like Putin. Putin. Yeah. <laughs> like Putin. Puter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, though, it, how you think that he's dead once he gets oh, drowned yeah. in the water, and then all of a sudden <laughs> he comes back to back to life and gets shot by Polly. Yeah. You know, I was just kind of, eh, it kind of felt off I was, to me. I was okay with him coming back. I don't know. I mean, it's. I, it just it just felt off to me. I'm like after all of that yeah. and the drowning and and it's freezing cold yeah. and all that stuff. Obviously, it's a it's a humor scene, right? Uh-huh. And I, I'm fine with Polly shooting him. I don't have. I would have been fine if she would have shot him to end the, the scene. Fight. It's just him it, coming just back after back. Yeah. all of that. Yeah, it, it's a little silly, but that's also Kingsman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is we're not talking like 1917 here. This is very much like that kind of humor where it's like this guy just does not want to go down. Like he gets stabbed, yeah. he gets drowned and he's still coming back for more. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, poison I, I, and give it or, his brain gets out. Yeah. <laughs> give or give like uh, leaving it in doesn't really matter too much to me. Um, but yeah, I think other than that, um, you know, I love, I, I felt like the villain, uh, yeah. Morton, I, th- I felt like he was underwhelming. He was, a, he was weak. Considering Rasputin, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Rasputin was so, was so strong. strong. He was yeah. such a good character that everyone else, in comparison, as far as the villains were concerned, just wasn't in the same place. But I like I like that final fight. I think it's it's done really well. It's one of the things that uh, Matthew Vaughn, the director, has always done pretty good in these movies. Even though I think Golden Circle is pretty weak, um, mm-hmm. I, 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 even the action in that it, that movie's actually got quite quite a few issues um how do you feel like the combat with uh, i think his name's actually pronounced ray phineas um what do you think about him being able the lead yeah being able to keep pace with these younger men and fights i think it's fine he's he yeah he's set up as being um one uh like he's a swordsman right Mm -hmm. like it's part of the like it, it, it there is enough setup for that and he's young enough and they go through the whole thing of his leg getting healed um and it gives him almost like this new uh vigor mm-hmm. that uh it's it's believable enough to to be like yeah you could totally keep up with him um okay. and I, I i yeah it didn't it didn't I like bother the goat me at the end. i i did i'm glad that the goat didn't knock him off i would because yeah. i went it started that that 
part was starting up, and I went, oh, no. I was like, they're not going to give the victory to Rafe and, to Oxford. They're just going to let the GOAT knock him off, and then the thing's going to be over. And I was like, please don't do that. And I was really happy that they let him be the they one sub- that... They subverted your expectations. No, they just did the right thing. That's all that it was. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was a great scene. Also, kind of like the tension... Uh, too, when he was in the airplane beforehand and yeah. he gets stuck, you actually feel the tension because he uh-huh. doesn't get out right away, right? They let it go on for just enough to where you're like, oh, shoot. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It's like, yeah. And I, I love um, that Polly played uh, an important role in that and that they were uh, respectful enough to sort of the this movie being at least somewhat grounded that she wasn't doing like she wasn't taking out men like twice her side. She just had a massive gun and that's how she was taking people out. And mm-hmm. it's just like, thank you, thank you, thank you for once. Like it, it, you're not doing these dumb things where it's like, well, the women, the woman needs to be in there fighting with all of these men because she's just as capable as Digimon Hansu's character. Yeah. Like Shola's is in there with his knife. And yeah. I, I like too that, um, Shola even kind of like learns because he actually picks up a gun in at the very end and it's like oh yeah I think I'm actually going to need this and he's not just relying on his really cool dagger uh, yeah. the entire time but man he's he he has some of the best moments in that movie and I'm glad that uh that even though I agree I think he is underutilized for a lot of it um the moments that he's in it just they, they really shine um, they really do shine and, and I'm glad he didn't die and I'm glad that they're bringing him back because it looks like maybe we're going to get at least one more film out of this um, if not That'd two be the third one right or fourth um, one so it seems like, like what they're doing now is that they're doing a prequel they're essentially doing a prequel trilogy and the and from what I can tell the best part about this prequel trilogy is that it has very little connection uh, to the mainline entries so you're not going to get a lot of weird um, issues with world building between them because nice. this is very much set in like, hey, this is here are similar locations. Here's, you know, things got their names um, and that's it. Like we're not we're not going like, how did this specific thing from the first Kingsman movie get acquired? And hopefully they don't do the stuff where it's like this character was actually related to Samuel L. Jackson's character in the original movie. And here's how Channing Tatum is connected to the prequel movie. You know, hopefully they're not going down that route. Well, um, what do you think about the after credit scene? I I want you to answer that question first because uh, you didn't even know that there was one. <laughs> as soon as the credits hit, bro, if I don't know, they need to give like a warning or something. Hey, after credit scene, because I'm just like, okay, off. <laughs> you need to scan. You got to scan. That's how it works. You got to <laughs> look for it. Not me. I'm just going to keep doing off. <laughs> You're going to have to remind me. I'll just uh, utilize you for that. Well, I didn't even know you were going to watch this. <laughs> I know you had called me. What was it? Uh, no, uh, we were on Friday the, or whatnot, or text me well, and we said were, something about the Kingsman. I'm like, oh, I already watched it, bro. Yeah, Where well, are you we at? Were, we were on the podcast um, the week before, and I was like, oh, Kingsman just like stealth dropped on HBO Max. You're like, I'm not watching that. And I went, oh, okay. Oh, well. And I was like, I'll watch it sometime this week. <laughs> yeah uh so no, i watched it it was it was good uh, the after credit scene i'm fine with it. i thought it was pretty funny i think it's pretty funny um other than them being like oh right wing hitler it's like okay yeah oh i'm not even yeah, sure i'm allowed right. to say that it doesn't matter <laughs> it's late enough in the the it'll be late <laughs> enough in the video i think uh but yeah but yeah the uh you know the, the mustachioed man from germany is uh going to be making an appearance at some point that led a party that did some bad things in world war ii they didn't win the war let's just put it that way and was socialist just to be clear um 
but yeah, man, I, I can't I, I can't recommend this movie more for people. I mean, if you've gotten all the way through this and you didn't care about the spoilers, uh, still go watch it. I think it's a it's it's a good watch. It's not too mm-hmm. long, um, and there's so much good in it. Um, so much good in it. Dude. Yeah, that I I, I think that um, uh, it's, it's worth it's the time. It's it. two hours, right? Two hours so, and ten minutes, I think. Something like that. And it's a great movie to give two hours of your time to. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Joseph, um, that brings us to the end of another episode. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we close out? Yeah, go follow us on YouTube, like and subscribe, comment. Other than that, I'm good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to episode 73 of The Underground. Joseph and I will be back on Tuesday talking to you more about everything going on in the world. Hopefully Russia and Ukraine both still exist. In fact, hopefully all of us do. Uh, (laughs) Yes, hopefully all of us do. And uh, until then, y'all take it easy. See ya. Politics ruins everything. Tell me what's worse than learning all that you led to believe was all horse crap. They distort so question as if you Warshack. Horsemen, horsemen, and they've long been having the course mapped. It ain't that you can't see, cause you can find it homes, it's that you don't want to. You cope by putting the blinders on. I've been trying to find some kind of way, but I've kind of known that y'all would rather whine and last to nonsense cause your mind is gone. I can't save every person in politics and it's bringing the worst out the very earth. And every perk of living on this turf is being chipped at and nerfed, but I can't sit back and I've got to hit back, I'm certain it's my purpose And it's a beautiful thing too Uh Hold up Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. Looking at the technological advances I used to be on dial-up looking for answers Now what? Underappreciating was candid And 20 years later we got computers that hand fit Used to be playing Sega Genesis with bros Now I'm gaming with some folks on the other side of the globe Used to go through a label if you trying to blow Now people got more options on the table, gotta post Social media, got us connected as ever on every medium Should be more righteous and clever, but what we see in this Communication is error and still the devious Evil's immediate, tedious that you gotta be remediate Cause idiots get heebie-jeebies in the event that they don't agree with you Try to ruin your whole life, cause you say what they dislike God forbid y'all disagree without a fight The type of stuff that will clear up if you lighten up, Jack Your trifle subject, your life would right if you give up that You're mad at nothing, not adding up when you're sad enough at a sad sack that gets aggravated And now you pay it forward Let people make your blood boil Emotions firing like microwave foil Or the oil they annoy you You add another's neck for the wrong reasons Election years now seeming like full-blown seasons Man You let politics ruin Or rather control Your whole life, man You gonna be a miserable person Straight up and Unfortunately, that's where we're at People are consumed by this, and it's driving them crazy, and they hate their neighbors.